Welcome to the Refuge Project. The Refuge Project is a place we can have meaningful conversation in a safe place. We are your hosts. I am Pastor David. We have James. Hey, hey. And another special guest, Pastor Ron, is back. Yeah. Hey, I'm, I'm back. <laughs> another episode of Things He Remembers. <laughs> So uh, hopefully they're going to be a short episode. <laughs> <laughs> He's got his book. So we're going to continue to go over some stuff that he wrote in his book. Last time we did fishing stories. I was actually looking at the table of contents this morning and the book is about 86, 87 pages long. Over half of that's fishing stories. <laughs> so hey, I told him that's about accurate. <laughs> like, like there's more fishing stories than stories about his wife and kids. <laughs> <laughs> He's probably spent more time fishing. I, don't know. <laughs> uh, I just thought that was interesting. There was one fishing story we didn't cover. Was that your fishing story about uh, with Dale? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we didn't cover that one. Well, I've had a lot of fishing stories with (laughs) Dale. Yeah, the very last uh, chapter in the book is a a fishing story with Dale. So maybe we'll get to that another time. How are you guys doing today? So far, so good. Very well. How's your cup doing? The cup is doing good. It gets me started every day. You're so handsome. Every time I I pick it up, it says something wonderful about me. Thank you very much. So apparently my sister Rayanne got him uh, this mug. It's got a picture of Trump on there. And every time he picks it up, it says a different Trump soundbite. All right, give me one more. Give me one more. more. You're the most amazing guy. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, President Trump. Thank you you very much. Oh, that's funny. It's It's a goodbye, Rayanne. Yeah. Y'all enjoying this weather? Oh, yeah. Oh, the weather's great. Yeah. Great. I made a fire in my house. In your house? Yeah, I mean, in the fireplace. (laughs) (laughs) Just put it up on the kitchen table there. (laughs) I mean, it's not really cold enough for fires, but I got excited. Hey, this is it, though. This (laughs) is winter. This is winter. Let's see. This is winter. Pastor, are you playing any golf anymore? No. No. (laughs) (laughs) I I tried to play some golf here. A year or so ago with uh, with Ben. You know Ben's a golfer. Oh, man. yeah. Oh, yeah. He can hit that ball 300 yards, and I can hit it about 150 now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But it was so frustrating. I, I decided uh, <laughs> I wouldn't go and play much anymore. Yeah. It's a good game, though. I love I love to play golf. I know my, my grandfather, Claude Pierce, he would uh, – he played until he, you know, couldn't hardly walk. But right. he, he would hit that sucker a hundred yards four times. Yeah, you know, and he would still beat us because we were over there a hundred yards off the yeah, fairway the right, looking for our ball, left. and he would just hundred yards at a time. You know, I started playing golf when I was a teenager, and uh, the guy that lived next door to us on East Drive in OST Acres, he was. Uh, he had a, a putting green in his backyard, and he had a little chipping place in his backyard. Grew up in rich his name was Mr. Kirby. He was a he was a guy that worked on cars. He had an auto shop. But anyway, he kind of got me interested in playing golf. And one day, I went to play golf with him. I mean, I, I at that time I could play pretty well, and. Uh, 
we went out to Texaco Country Club, and uh, he just had uh, two clubs. He had a, a five iron and a putter. Really? He drove with a five iron, he chipped with a five iron, and he putted, and he beat me like a drum. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that, I mean, even if you lose a putter, you can, you can putt with a five iron. Yeah. <laughs> Good. The old man could play, man. I'm telling you. Oh, wow. wow. That's a that's a pretty confident guy. So yeah. I'll yeah. just take the I two. Just, yeah. Just, <laughs> I'm, I'm walking fun. today, so I don't want to. You know, yeah. Uh, yeah. Man, well, if you got it, you got it, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I quit playing golf. It just it was just too hard on my back. You know. Yeah. I'd play eight or nine holes, and I was pretty much done. Lower back, upper yeah, back. Yeah, lower back. Yeah. yeah. Had surgery in the lower back, so just yeah. wasn't good for me. Yeah. So. But I enjoyed it. I remember. I don't remember if I ever told this story on the podcast. We was playing with the uh, the convocation. We used to go, and right. uh, my brother in law Patrick, me, him, Willie Brown, and somebody else was on this foursome. And Willie Brown hit every. I mean, if there was a puddle, <laughs> he hit his ball in it. I believe it. You know, I mean, I mean, he just filled these ponds up all day long. And the very last hole coming in over there in Deer Park, 18, you have to carry the water right in front of the clubhouse. And he hit the most beautiful shot you've ever seen. I mean, about two foot from the hole. Uh-huh. So we all just walked up there, and we just like, wow, really, what a great shot. My brother-in-law picked it up, threw it in the water. He goes, that's where that belongs. <laughs> I, was, I was the guy that always got in the puddles to find the balls. Yeah. You know, because well, that's what I, I was it. just talking to. Who was I talking to? I think I was talking to my brother-in-law this, this past weekend. He was just like, man, Pastor Ron, you would have to tell him, hurry up, let's go. Because yeah. he was off in the woods 20 yards deep looking for other people. Golf balls. Well, I always took the scenic route. You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> I, play, I played army golf left, right, left, yeah. right. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I always came home with more balls than I started with. This is like a six hour course. Coupon Ron, you Coupon Ron, that's too funny. Well, let's just jump right into Culture Corner. Culture Corner. I was reading an article. The Church of England, they're expected to close 350 churches to be closed or or tore down by 2026. Um, and some of these, they're calling them um, historical buildings, Scheduled 1 and Scheduled 2. So these are very old buildings. And it's a lack of funds. The people are not going to church in England anymore. Uh, they're not paying tithe. Um, I guess there was some income coming from the government at one time to the Church of England, but that's like pulled back and stopped now. So between now and um, 2026, they said they're going to start selling these churches because nobody's occupying them. There's nobody coming there, so they're just going to be... You say like an old church, like what are we talking, like 18th century? Probably, yeah, probably 17th, 18th century, yeah. Wow. Um. Just because, I mean, they're valuable. Uh-huh. You know, the, the land is valuable where they are now. They're probably in some metropolitan area um, that the city has built up around them. And um, so, and they had, they said a lot of it is 
COVID-19, you know, yeah. that people left and uh, never came back from COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they said there's just no no funds. That uh, It was 368 closures. That's the highest worst-case scenario. Wow. Uh, um, that could be closed by 2026. Man. So I think that you're going to start seeing that in America if we don't do something over here, too. I mean, you already see it, these churches that are just vacant on the side of the road and <clears throat> beautiful churches. What's the cost that they're not? Is it like just upkeep cost or is it like, uh, yeah, like I mean, for the land, like taxes <clears throat> on the land or something cost? Yeah, probably what? taxes. Um, historical buildings probably always need some type of upkeep. And yeah. so, you know, they're not falling down and stuff like that. Um, but I think that it's, you know, it's interesting um, that, there's really not a good use for a church after the church is done with it. Yeah. <clears throat> if you if you see them in, in America, you'll see these great, beautiful buildings. Mm-hmm. Either the, the church is outgrown and they moved on to something else or it's closed. They try to sell it, sell it, sit there for a couple of years, and then eventually somebody buys it and tears it down for the property. Yeah. You know, puts well, a subway imagine, up or something. I mean, you'd imagine some of these, if it's these old churches in England, that they'd be... I don't know, like a really big, pretty, like artistic building or something. Like a lot of those cathedrals, you know, in Europe, there people will go to them just for tourist stuff. Yeah, just to see the. But but the, the difference between here and there is like they have a bunch of old buildings. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, we have a few old buildings, and their their society is just so much older than what mm-hmm. what ours is, and um, they've probably already. Uh, put together as many museums as they could out of older buildings and stuff like that. So, but I was just thinking about America, like, you know, you're going to start seeing that too. I mean, we've, we've struggled here. I mean, struggled, we struggled to get people coming back after COVID. Um, You know, we've seen at times that our, our giving has gone down and different things like that. So I think this is just kind of a, you know, a, a warning to all the churches all over the world that if we don't get back to what God has called us to do, be in community, uh, we always say it's not about the church, <clears throat> the church building, but I know there's a lot of preachers that were maybe not talking about that no more. <laughs> you know, they're just saying, like, you know, we need to be back in the church. Um, but it is about the church. You know, we have to come together, you know, iron sharpers iron, you know, we need to be together in community. We need to be together to, strengthen one another, um, to tell each other, uh, how great we are, just like his Pastor Ron's cup, you know, how... <laughs> Congratulations, good job. <laughs> we, we need that, you know? If we had more, if we had more of that, tell each other one-on-one, Pastor Ron wouldn't have to have this cup to encourage him every day. <laughs> hey, let, um, me, let me tell you about an, uh, a trip I took to, uh, over to Europe, and uh, years ago, when I was a high school choir director at uh, Galena Park High School, uh, some of the choir directors around that I knew decided we were get a choir together. We called it the Greater Houston Choir, and we would uh, take the choir to Europe, and we'd sing over there to various places. Uh, the reason we did it, because we wanted a free trip. <laughs> if if we could get the kids to pay for the trip, then we, if we got five kids, we could go f- 
one person go free. If we got ten people, we two people go free, and so forth. So, so he just told you coupon run here. Yeah, so you're not gonna miss yeah, out. On so, uh, yeah, so it. if he ever invites you somewhere on so the trip, really, that's the reason. He <laughs> <laughs> trying to get the free ticket. So it really didn't matter if the kids could sing very well or not. <laughs> Y'all had the worst choir ever. Just had to be a living body. Just happened to be if they had the $1,500 for your trip. Those ones sounded a lot better than the ones that didn't have $1,500. Anyway, we got got a choir together, and it didn't really matter too much if they could sing or not because we had several choir choir directors that could really sing, and we, we, you know, each part had a, a kind of a professional singer in it. But... Anyway, uh, we went over there, and we, it was a wonderful thing. But one, I just said it because you brought up these old churches over there. But every community, every little village, every town had a beautiful church. Yeah. And it was, a, it was a wonderful experience because we would go in and we would sing for these churches, uh, you know, in Germany, Switzerland, Austria, where we went. And uh, uh, singing those old churches, man, you talk about great acoustics oh, yeah, and stuff. And then, then the people would, uh, you know, give us some refreshments, some sandwiches and stuff. And it was a great, it was a great experience. But I noticed most of those churches, even way back then, was was old folks. Yeah. And you know, when the old folks die, uh, then you don't have a congregation anymore if you don't. If you don't really reach out to young people, and that's one thing that our church has been doing here at Elam, we've been reaching out to young people, uh, and and I'm just amazed, you know, at the second service, it's mostly younger yeah. people, yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, I think it's healthy and so forth. I, I remember my, my sister was the uh, organist, and uh, she led the choir down at a, a Methodist church not too far from our church, but they didn't reach out to young people. And it was just got older and older, and now the church just folded up. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, anyway, that might be what's happening over there in, in Europe as well. But uh, anyway... Especially if they're old churches, you know. Yeah, they need people. <laughs> you need young people. Yeah, this, this study so, uh, shows that between... 20, uh, 2001 and 2017 already, as many as 500 churches in London alone have been closed and turned into private homes. Wow, yeah. private homes. And then between 2012 and 2014, um, it, they lost 5% of the population that says that they were angelic Christians. Yeah. yeah so it's, uh, you know, it's just not. Any Christians, <laughs> not many people going to church over there, I can tell you that. But, I mean, if they're old, like these old cathedral churches, the services they're having, they're probably like old traditional services. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not going to be something that's going to be reaching out to young people. Right. So it makes yeah. sense that eventually they're just going to die off. You know? Well, maybe that's what the Catholic Church is doing, because I, I was reading something uh, yesterday or the day before where the Catholic Church is putting together a— a group of people to study how they're going to uh, deal with the LGBTQ community inside their church. Yeah. Um, you know, I think when you, when you build your church for the kids, 
or the youth, whatever you want to call it, any anybody below like seventeen is a kid to me. You know, yeah, right. Um, uh, that's not the way to do it. Yeah, you know, you have to give programs and stuff for them guys, not not move the cornerstone. Absolutely, yeah. Well, a church, a healthy church, has to have a a ministry for all ages. You know, yeah. that, that's what. Uh, I decided years ago when, when I became the pastor here at Elam, we call it a family-oriented church. We used to put that on there, and I decided that, man, you need something excellent for kids in the nursery. You need uh, something excellent for children, for young people, and for older folks. You have to have something for, for all ages. Uh, you need the older folks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're yeah. the ones that's paying the bills. <laughs> They're the ones that's been there for so long. But you have to reach out. You know, if if a young couple has a, a baby, uh, what they're really looking for is uh, a church that has a good nursery. <laughs> if a couple has, you know, elementary age kids, what they're looking for is something for those kids. If they have teenagers, what they're looking for is something for teenagers. And if you don't have it, you're not going to get them. So you need all all of these uh, different age groups. Yeah, I was, talk- I was talking to somebody the other day about, um, uh, like, how to remodel a nursery or whatever. Yeah. And we're just going back and forth on, like, ideas and what, what to do and all those things. And they were just like, well, these kids like this and this and this. And I said, well, there's a balance. Mm-hmm. Like, because some of these kids are not even old enough to realize what's going on in their classroom, right? Exactly. But so 50% of it's for the kids, but the other 50% is for the parents. Absolutely. When they yeah. walk in, they're seeing, okay, this is speaking to me. And that's super important, not just to minister to the kids in those areas, to make the, the parents feel comfortable to leave the most precious item in the world with you. Absolutely. Um, that they're going to be getting the right thing. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. Uh, James, what you got? I just got a little, it's a little thing. It's about an elk. Animal? Yeah. Okay. Elks are animals. You yeah, know that. yeah. He always so, brings animal stories. I love and, you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. I needed that. <laughs> So these days, every time I, I'm looking for a story and I see one, I go, oh, this is kind of interesting. And I'm like, oh, wait, it's about an animal. So I'm you like, put it to the side, you I don't almost, bring it. no, I still do it. But it, <laughs> the thought crosses my head like, ah, it's another animal story. Anyway, this is a lighthearted one. So there's this elk in Colorado that got a tire stuck around its neck. And they, uh, people have been trying to find this elk for two years so they can get the tire off its neck. And so every now and then they... They'd see it. They, it got spotted. Was this thing like Sasquatch? They can't find it. It'd take two years to find them? Yeah, it's tough to get elks, man. It's a big deal. <laughs> You've ever, you ever watched any of those like hunting shows or anything? It's a big deal. But you ought to be able to see an elk with a tire around the snake. Yeah, but they disappear, <laughs> man. You see it off you know, on the other hill, and you say, oh, there it is. You get the boys together. Let's go get the elk. And then you go over there, and he's gone. And okay, okay, okay. Anyway, so they've been looking for him for years. And so finally, they he popped up on like a... What do they call those? Those cameras people keep out in there. The trail cameras. And yeah, stuff yeah. Like he that. popped up on one of those, and so they found. Anyway, so they finally found him. They shot him with the tranquilizer, and they got the uh, the tire off of his neck after like two years of trying to find this guy. And they had to cut his antlers off to do it, which to me it seems like why didn't you just cut the tire off? That's but, what I was just thinking. Uh, I guess it was tougher. I don't know, but they cut the antlers off to get the tire. They just off. took his manhood away. Yeah, 
and wow. he's going to lose a lot of fights. A lot of women, too. Um, but, I mean, <laughs> he's still a big dude. Like, he's going to do it. But, uh, but yeah, cut his antlers off, got the tire off. They said the tire was, like, 35 pounds. Wow. And uh, You know he had a nice neck. Yeah. And he said he had, a, <laughs> it had like, another 10 pounds of just stuff sitting oh, in the yeah, tire. Right, right. Pine leaves, mud, and gunk yeah, and stuff. Probably, like, trees and stuff about to grow out of it. Yeah, basically, yeah. But uh, got it off. He's free. He's all good. He's or back out there elking around. Elking around, doing the elk things. <laughs> yeah, tire free. <laughs> yeah. And you know he's got to feel good, dude, because, like, I don't know if you've ever, you know, you ever do anything with, like, a weight on, and then you take the weight off, and you're like, oh, I, like, I can do anything now. Yeah, but you know there's some people that have been, you know, just like the children of Israel. Man, I wish I had that tire around my neck again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he probably does, man. I don't know, maybe using his pillows or right? something. Yeah, but they took that. that off, and they took his antlers off. So he's, like, extra light, because those right? antlers weigh a bunch, too. He probably walks around on his back legs because he's so light <laughs> on the front. <laughs> yeah. <it's> just... <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, that's the story I've got for you. You reckon anybody listens to this? <laughs> well, the unbelievable thing is, they do. People love elks, y'all. Elks are interesting. Uh, <laughs> I was just, I was just telling James that it's unbelievable the people that listen. I mean, it, it really is that people actually tune in to us. Um, all over the world, <laughs> not just like my mom. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I was just looking at it. I was just looking at it the other day. I mean, we got people from <laughs> India, Australia, United Kingdom. I mean, just all over the world. You know? I mean, it's just it's just baffling to me that people like our sense of humor. Hey, I'm serious about the elk thing. That's <laughs> think of, I'm not even joking about this. <laughs> this is a good story. <laughs> Can you imagine having a tire around your neck for years? Uh, no. Yeah. This guy just got freed from that. Yeah. As Caesar would say, there's a message in there. That'll preach or whatever. Well, I just told you yeah. half the message. I'm telling you. He's wishing he had the tire back. It's like a lot of us. All right, I got a song for y'all today. I want y'all to just take just a minute or so and just just worship with us. This song is my favorite worship song that's came out in a long time. And just for y'all, like, overly safe people, I threw this one in. It's got Justin Bieber in it. Ooh. I know some of y'all overly safe people Ooh. are going, like, oh, I can't listen no more using, <laughs> using Justin Bieber. But listen, he's trying to work out his uh, his uh, walk with the Lord, so I think we just need to encourage him and, and uh, keep lifting him up and praying for him. So this is a lot of y'all's favorite songs going on right now, but the, it's called Gyra, Justin Bieber and Chandler Moore. Oh, yeah. 
You've already been chosen. Listen, if you're struggling who you are, God has already chosen you. He's already told you who you are. You're a friend. He's called you son. He's called you daughter. He's spoken love over your life. He's putting a code of majesty over you. Um, When we get down and we get tires around our neck, when we get freed from them things, man, leave those things in the past. Don't be the children of Israel when, when things get tough that you're wishing you had the things that maybe wasn't as tough. But listen, there's always daylight at the end of the tunnel. God loves you. God's mm-hmm. there for you. Even in the darkest times, we're going to talk a little bit about that at the very end, but God is good. Amen. 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 Pastor Ron, things you remember. Things that you remember. Give me, give me one more cup. I'm, give me, a, give me another. Give me a cup. You've done a spectacular job. Thank you very much. <laughs> it gets me going in it's, the morning. Yeah, you know what I mean? I like it. <laughs> done a spectacular job on this book, by the way. <laughs> I've I've really enjoyed reading it. Um, so I was reading the one this morning. You don't have to go in the whole story about you know. You being married to your wife, which is a great story, but that's not our focus here. Our focus is on uh, <laughs> automobiles and, and RVs and trips and stuff like that. But you had this old 55, and me and you talked about um, you've wrecking this thing multiple times. Tell us a little bit about, you know, why you love this truck, this car so much, and why you decided when you could have been riding around in the limousine, you decided to take this beat up. 55 Chevrolet to the nicest place in Houston. <laughs> well, let me tell you about this. My uh, my first car was a 55 Ford Crown Victoria. Nice. I bought it from my cousin, Joyce Jones, and uh, it was wore out. Uh, why she sold me that car, <laughs> I don't think I've ever forgiven her. But it used more oil than it used gas. I look like a mosquito fogging company coming So you're down the, the road. reason that Joe Biden wants to go green. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, my daddy felt sorry for me, and he had a 55 Chevrolet six cylinder stick shift and uh but it was a nice car i mean and and so i sold the ford and i i bought the chevrolet and uh, i was going to sam houston state university at the time and i drive that chevrolet back and forth and i remember one day with myself and and my roommate and what we call a suite mate, you know, you had two rooms and one one restroom in the in the middle of it in the dorms there. Anyway, we decided we'd go to Trinity for a steak. Everybody else went over there to drink beer because uh, Huntsville area was dry, and over there you cross the Trinity River and, and beer joints everywhere. And steak joints, obviously. But they had a good steakhouse uh-huh, over there. Yeah. And none of us uh, drank beer or anything, but we, we went over there to get a steak, and we went over there. And come, coming back, um, I'm going down the road 70 miles an hour, and a drunk lady came out of one of those beer joints, and she didn't even stop. She just ran right in front of me. 
And I had to swerve to miss her, and I went down this, you know, the side of the road, just uh, I hit a uh, mailbox and I don't know some signs, and ended up turning the car over and I, in the ditch. And uh, the the wheels were up in the air, and we were laying on the top of the, you know, the car there, just like a. A fruit basket turnover, four boys in there, and we was all on, laying on top of each other and everything. No seatbelts back then. No, no, no. We no, didn't no. use no seatbelts. <laughs> For girls. But we did go We did go fast. <laughs> but anyway. That so, was when men were men. No, we... We, uh, we... So is everybody okay? Is everybody okay? And uh, Yeah, well, we're okay in the car, you know, because messed up, but... Old Ray Witt, my my roommate back then, he says, uh, "I smell gas," and he said, "We gotta get out of here." And he kicked one of my buddies in the head. <laughs> get now, the only person got got hurt was the guy got kicked in the head by my roommate. Anyway, we turned. That'll it, preach. We got, <laughs> we, we got out, and the car was, uh, you know, on the upside down in the ditch. And a bunch of drunks came out of the beer joint, <laughs> and they said, well, what do you want to do? I said, well, we need to turn it back over. <laughs> <laughs> so all of us got on this one side of this, this 55 Chevrolet and turned it back over. But them 55 Chevrolets back then, oh, man, they, they, they was heavy. like a tank. It was like a tank. How many guys do you have on it? Oh, good night. There was four of us. The whole and bar. Then, then the whole bar and the whole bar. <laughs> but anyway... Uh, the the roof of the car was just, it was almost down to the top of the seats. You couldn't set up in there, you know, it, it crashed it in. So we got in there and laid on the seat and we kicked the roof up. That's when your buddy came in, came in real handy, right? Yeah, well, well, I mean, it's a, we just cooked, kicked it up so we could sit in there. So the top of that car looked like the Gulf of Mexico with all this, <laughs> you know, everybody's footprints in it. But anyway, so when we got married, uh, that's the car I had. And I had wrecked it another couple of times. <laughs> but you kept driving. Yeah, well, I mean, it kept going. I mean, we somebody said, well, all the oil is drained out when we turned it back over. And somebody said, well, I got some oil in my car. You're like, no, here. that's the way it was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we got a, you know, a few quarts of oil and put it in there, and we drove that sucker back to uh, to Huntsville. To That's the where college. they get the term whiskey dips. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, we washed it up. You know, it <laughs> it did look like a rambling wreck. But I, you know, my my wife's folks, they lived over there in Denver Harbor. We called it Podunk. And a little house, and they drove an old Hudson Hornet around, and and I just thought these po- folks are so poor. I'm gonna have to take care of them, but I love my wife. I love this girl so much. I'm I'm gonna be willing to do that. But uh, her mother says, you know, I want to send y'all to Hawaii on a honeymoon. I said. You can't do that. You don't have. I can't. I couldn't let you do that. Plus, my wife had to go to work the two days after we got married at the Huntsville Memorial Hospital. She was a nurse, and uh, so anyway, uh, I just said no. We couldn't do that. 
So my mother-in-law said, well, I'm going to get you the presidential suite at the Sheridan Lincoln Hotel in downtown. I mean, on the top floor, Mm. corner building, glass all around, two Two bathrooms in that thing, gold-plated. His and hers. Uh. His and hers, but we didn't use both of them. <laughs> <laughs> it's a honeymoon. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> that's another story. But uh, so anyway, we had this. Uh, you know, I decided. Well, we're gonna, we're going to, uh, you know, drive down there in my '55 Chevrolet that's been wrecked three times. And uh, we had, oh, something else she did. She uh, rented the Woodridge Baptist Church, was over there by, by Guffgate. It was a beautiful, beautiful church. The church we were in then was Houston Gospel Tabernacle, just a little church, old building. She didn't think that was pretty enough for her daughter's wedding. So she rented that. Boy, you're talking about beautiful. And uh, so anyway, after the, after the ceremony and everything, we were going to drive the car up to the Sheridan Lincoln. And, and I got in the car, and, man, it wouldn't start. Shocking. It would not start. <laughs> and my cousin, Jimmy Green, that sorry guy, well, he wasn't a sorry guy, but that night he was <laughs> because he kidnapped me. And he threw me in his car, and he took me almost to Galveston. And my poor wife that I'd just married just stuck at the church. Anyway, finally, I begged him enough, and he brought me back. Wait, why did he take you? Did I well, it just kidnapped you know, me. Just, 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 just a simple just, kidnapping. Just, just like a fun, just, just got married, mean, I'm going to Just to be mean, you know. Just You ain't going on no honeymoon. You're coming with us. You know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> well, anyway, I finally we finally got back to Woodridge Baptist Church. There's my 55 Chevrolet out there. Pristine. They had, they had cans tied uh-huh, to the back of it. And they couldn't figure out what was the, the car, the cans they, or the car. They had just like... married, written all over it, and all that stuff. All right, now it makes more sense. So I so. get I get in the car, and it won't start. I said, what's going on? And they had taken the rotary thing out of the distributor so it wouldn't start. No way it was going to start. And I just said, well, anyway, that's a long story. Because you're some better friends. Oh, that's my cousin. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> That's why I need that cup every morning. <laughs> but anyway, anyway, so finally we got in the car and we drove and people honking behind us and, you know, and finally we get up to the Sheridan Lincoln in that old Chevrolet. And the guy standing there, you know, the the doorman or whatever they call the guy that's greets you there, he looked at me and so, what do you want? Now I've got the I've got reservations for the presidential the, suite. The presidential right. suite in this place. You should have told him, I want you to get over here and get my bags. <laughs> yeah, well I didn't that's the first time I'd ever been in a nice hotel. I didn't know what you had to do, you know, what I'm supposed to do. Go park my car is what I want. <laughs> anyway. He just hollered, he didn't come out there. What do you want? I said, Well, we're gonna spend the night here. So he comes out there and 
He says, uh, I show him my reservations. And he saw the tw- presidential sweep. Did he, I think he almost fainted. Did he hold he it said, up to the light? Yes, that they, thought yes. you were $100 bills sir, to make sure it was real? I think I was trying to carry our own luggage, you know. But no, let me have that, sir. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, that was, uh, that was the story on the 55 Chevrolet. But, uh, you know. I don't know much about the presidential suite. That was my honeymoon, man. <laughs> I didn't see much of the hotel. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I know it was a pretty room, but, yep. you and know. When, then a day well, later, y'all's back to work. I <laughs> Two days later, my wife was working at the Huntsville Memorial wow. <laughs> Hospital. That's back when men were men, because you, you, you would go to <laughs> school all week, and then you would drive back to Houston Friday, Saturday, Sunday, work nights at the Chronicle, and then Sunday after you would go right back to school up in Huntsville. My, my wife. All uh, you lazy men out there, listen <laughs> for a second. My wife worked at uh, the hospital. She worked 10 hours every day, five days a week. She made $40 a week. And... Uh, I came home and worked at the Houston Chronicle. Oh, forty dollars a week. Yes. You remember this is back in the seventeenth century. A dollar right? an hour. Mm. That was uh, that that's was, Napoleon Dynamite money right yeah, there. <laughs> that was big bucks because everybody working at the college was making fifty cents an hour. <laughs> yeah. So, and some hey, all y'all McDonald's work out there that want fifteen dollars <laughs> an hour to take my order at the at the and window. A dollar an hour. <laughs> That's it. And uh, I would come back to the Houston Chronicle and and work three shifts on the weekend, and uh, I would make about maybe seventy dollars. So I was making almost twice as much as she was, and she was a nurse. Wow. And I was, but together we're making uh, a little over $100 a a week. And uh, our house that we had, we had a little four-bedroom house. We rented $50 a week. And uh, we made it, we made it okay. Mm -hmm. Finally, I get, I graduate from college and start school teaching, and I made $4,500 a year. That's less than a hundred dollars a week. That's what I'm about to say. That's with you, a you took degree. A pay cut. <laughs> took a pay cut uh-huh. to teach these bad little kids. No, well, I didn't take a pay cut because I kept working at the Chronicle. Okay. At one at one time, I I had four jobs, and actually, I was bringing in five different paychecks. A week. Four jobs, five paychecks. How does yeah, that work? Well, no because questions. I got paid during the summer. For teaching school, wow. so uh, you know, I mean, you know, you summer school. Spread it. Well, no, you spread it out over oh, twelve months. Right. Yeah, even yeah. though I didn't, didn't have to, but all the time, I, I had, uh, I had like four jobs all the time. Yeah, which I had to do because I didn't want my wife. Once we got married, and uh, we moved back to Houston, I didn't want her working anymore because, uh, you know. I just was old school. I wanted her home with the kids. Yeah. So anyway. There's definitely something about that. Unfortunately, we, we don't do it, but there's definitely something about that. Yeah. All right. Well. Man, you- hearing the story about the car and the flipping it over and just driving home, that to me, that just like. 
<laughs> in capsules, the Nissan family. <laughs> like that just says, like if you just said, who's the Nissans? And then you told them that story of having some old sorry car flipped mm-hmm. over and you just flipped it back over, pushed the roof up yeah. and kept going. Kept, like, kept going. That's the Nissan family. I drove that car for a long time. Yeah, and then kept driving it for years. I drove that car for a long time. And then <laughs> one day I was driving down the Gulf Freeway in that old car. And uh, Bill McDavid in Oldsmobile had a big tent up on a field out there, uh, pretty close to their dealership. Big sale up there. And, man, I drove that car in there. I was, I told Janet, I just want to look at these new cars. I know we can't afford one. I can't do that because I always take one home. Can't afford it, but I, I just want to look, you know, man. So we drove in there. And I saw this 66 Oldsmobile Cutlass, man, with the big uh, 450 cubic inch V8 engine, big four-barrel carburetor, boy, beautiful black. And uh, I don't know what happened, but I drove out of there with (laughs) (laughs) There it is. I drove drove that brand-new car over to my daddy's house, and he said, Son, what have you done? <laughs> Did you trade in the 55 for it? Yeah, I got rid of the 55. Do <laughs> you remember how much they gave you for I it? I think I had to pay them a few dollars. <laughs> yeah, I just <laughs> it didn't, wasn't it quite an equal didn't pay a salvage fee. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. That was some beautiful car, though. So how long did you keep that one? Uh, until 1973, and I... I Took it over there and I traded it in on a Delta 88. Oh, yeah, we had Royale. Mm. It was beautiful. Green and white interior and everything. And and I thought, man, I wore this uh, 66 out. About, 45, about four or five years later, I was driving down the freeway and I saw that 66. <laughs> it looked better than my 73. <laughs> <laughs> Why did I ever trade that in on that That's car? funny. You were saying that about the vehicles and stuff, about uh-huh. the Nissans. I remember <laughs> some years ago, we pulled in the parking lot. It was me, Sandra, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law. And uh, my brother-in-law, he seen your dad's truck. He uh-huh. was just like, that truck looks familiar. <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and he goes, is that the... Um, is that the choir director over in <laughs> Yeah. And I said, yeah, he goes, man, when I was in high school, yeah. <laughs> that was in our, our paint and body shop uh-huh. or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So he was telling me, man, that thing's still going. Yeah, with me, oh, and, you, with me you're, uh, you're not going to get that away from Stacy. I can tell nah, you It's going to have to totally fall apart. Yeah. When, uh, when me and Tara were, we might have been engaged. We weren't married yet. We were at least dating. We went to some concert downtown at some point. With a few friends, and uh, before, like a few days earlier or something, we had been talking about. I was trying to explain to her is that, like, if you're in the Nissan family, <laughs> like, you're gonna have all this stuff happen to you. I said, but at the end of the day, if you stick with me, you're gonna be all right. <laughs> said, like, you're gonna have some stuff break on you and all that, but like, but you're gonna make it out of there okay. And I was trying to like have, uh, for some reason, this was up, and I was trying to like get that into her head. And then a few days later, we go to this concert with some friends, and after the concert, it's like one in the morning or something, <laughs> and we uh, we're walking downtown. We get back to my van because I parked, you know, 
several blocks away because that was where the free parking was, you know, <laughs> and on the side of the road. And I said, uh, <laughs> and we go to start my van and uh, it wouldn't start. And uh, I don't remember what the problem was, but it wasn't working. And it's like one in the morning. And uh, so we called somebody to come back and give us a ride because I think Ben had driven his car or something. So he was on his way back. And uh, but I realized where I was parked at that if I left it there the next day, I was going to get a ticket. Uh, and so we said, well, we can't leave it in this space. We're going to have to push it somewhere else. And so I walked it. I took I, I'm jogging around the blocks looking for a spot that we can push it to. And I find a spot. And so at like two in the morning now, uh, me, uh, Tara's in the driver's seat steering. And then me and Ben and a couple friends were pushing my van through the streets of uh, downtown. We push it past the venue that we were at and the, the band that was playing there. They're loading up their gear. We wave to them as we're pushing like, my van nice past us. Yeah, man. hey, you guys are great tonight. Oh, thanks. Uh, we're just pushing my van. We pushed it into a spot, and uh, we left it, came back, got the next day. But then driving home that night, I said, hey, Terry, you remember how I was telling you about it? See, I said, the, this, is, this, is what, this is what I'm talking about. That's, that's God's sense of humor right there. Yeah. Who yeah. was just going to make sure that she was the right I, one for you? And she was, it's actually, I don't even think I brought it up. I think she brought it up again. It was like, is this what you're talking I was like, yeah, look. But we had a ride home is what I'm saying. The next day, we were able to go get it. And right. I'm still Every, driving everything it. Everything like, was okay. I yeah. said, but you're going to have that stuff yeah. happen from time to time. <laughs> and I said, just me like pushing my van through the streets, waving to the band is like a pretty good encapsulation <laughs> yeah, of, yeah, of sure, James Lynch's sure. life, too. Well, Pastor, tell us about this road <laughs> trip to Florida. The Florida trip. Yeah. Well, when my kids were, you know, pretty young, we used to, every year we'd take a vacation, and most time we went to uh, Colorado, because we love Colorado. Stacy still does. Well, I do too. <laughs> yeah, Last year we went three times. So <laughs> I you I still like still Colorado. Like <laughs> but uh, anyway, this year we, we decided we would uh, take a trip to Florida, and uh, back then we... Uh, we would rent motorhomes. We rent them what they call a Class C motorhome from a, a, a guy named Mr. Smith. He was out on Gulf Bank Road. He had, a I don't know, five or six of these motorhomes right there at his house, and he'd buy new motorhomes every few years and rent them out, and then he'd trade them in and get some new ones. I think he was making pretty good money. But anyway, uh, this particular year... We uh, rented this motorhome from him, and we were going to go to take a trip to Florida. But my mother-in-law and my father-in-law, they always went with us on our vacations. And uh, this year, she wanted to go to Biloxi. She had some kin folks in Biloxi, Mississippi, and she wanted to visit them. So we went over there, and we visited them for a day or two. I remember one thing about that guy. He said, man, well, I'm going to fix you some fish, a fish dinner. I said, boy, that sounds good. I like fish. <laughs> what kind of fish you going to cook? He said, mullet. I said, what? Mullet. <laughs> I was in the swamp said, well, somewhere? I said, I'm a fisherman. We, we use them for bait. Nobody, <laughs> nobody eats mullet. He said, oh, man, that's a delicacy over here. We love mullet. You just ain't cooked it right. That's probably yeah, what he, that's what he you. said. Uh, you, you just don't know how to cook it. Uh, I said, well, no, I, I never have tried to cook it. Everybody <laughs> says that's just nothing. Trash fish. Anyway, he cooks up a big old bunch of mullet, 
And uh, I took one bite of that stuff. I had to spit it out. It was, <laughs> it was, I thought she was going to tell me it was good. <laughs> no, it was horrible. That's exactly what you thought. I said, <laughs> I, I said do you think this stuff is good? <laughs> Have you ever eaten a red fish or a speckled trout? Any other fish. Yeah, it tastes like mud. Anyway, <laughs> we, we got there, and then we, we drove, and we got in the Florida panhandle there, and we were going down to Panama City. And uh, that stupid uh, motorhome we had, the, the transmission started going out on it. I didn't know really what was going on. It just wouldn't go. I mean... And I finally, I got to a place, this was Saturday, about 10.30, 11 o'clock in the morning. And I saw a service station there, and I pulled that motorhome up into that service station. And, and uh, man, I, it just wouldn't go. And I, I thought there's something wrong with the transmission. So I asked the guy at the service station, is there a transmission place around here anywhere? He said, well, uh, there is one. It told me where it was, out in the boondock somewhere. And uh, now I had my kids and I had my grand, uh, my, my in-laws and me and Janet in this motorhome. So anyway, I said, I wonder if they're open this Saturday morning. So uh, anyway, I called this transmission place and uh, they said, yeah, bring it on over here. I said, but we, we close at uh, noon. And it's almost noon. Anyway, I got over there to the transmission place. Uh, had to get somebody to pull me over there. And uh, parked it up there in their parking place. And the guy put a, an extension card out there and a, a hose, a water hose, hooked me up and said, we'll see you Monday. <laughs> <laughs> so here I am in this parking lot out in a bad part of town. Vacationing. Vacationing. <laughs> yeah. And so time. finally, we, we were stuck there. You should have went fishing for mullet. <laughs> <laughs> we were stuck there, man, and nothing to do. And finally I called a, I called a... Uh, taxi cab and they see if there was a church around somewhere where we could go to church on Sunday morning and uh, sure enough there was and they, the taxi took us to this church and uh, I'm, I'm sitting there in the church and the pastor says uh, are you a preacher? I said yeah. He said would you preach for us tonight? I said I guess so. Wow. <laughs> anyway we we went back. I preached at that church on uh, Sunday night. The next morning, the workers came back to that transmission place, and um, they uh, they put our motorhome up on a lift, you know, way up. My mother-in-law, she says, I don't think we were all sitting in the waiting room in this transmission place, but she stayed in the car. So my, I mean, in the motorhome. <laughs> She's on, she's 10 foot up in the air. They let her stay in there? <laughs> we couldn't get her out. <laughs> she's, up, she's up there all day. <laughs> that might have been good. Uh, anyway, we said, I mean, it's, it's, just, it's just pitiful. And finally, in the afternoon, we were going to go on to Disneyland or somewhere, but we, you know, it was it didn't ruin our vacation. So I said, look, we're going, we're going to go on back. We, we don't have the time now. So they got the transmission fixed. We all got in there, and uh, we started back to Houston. And we get 
Well, you know that big long bridge in Louisiana. Uh huh. You know, goes for miles and miles over the swamp. Yep. Well, we're going through there, and I'll be if that transmission didn't go out again. And I'm right there on the side of the road, and Stacy, I don't know, he's probably a teenager. We had gone by a KOA campground about a mile back. They had a phone. We didn't have a phone. I said, well, me and Stacy are going to walk back to the campground and try to find that phone, call somebody, come get us. We walked back. I mean, it's not too much of a shoulder there. Anyway, we go back to the campground. We call a wrecker. He comes and gets us. He takes us to the to the uh, transmission place in Lafayette. And this is about midnight. So we're sitting in the transmission place in Lafayette. <laughs> My whole family, this is our vacation. <laughs> and uh, they finally get there about 8 o'clock in the morning. We're sitting there. I tell them, you know what happened. They jacked the thing up on the... Mother lost the inside. I don't know if she stayed in or got out, but that was all day long they worked on that thing. And finally, they got it fixed. And uh, so we started back to Houston, and we get over there to on the other side of Winnie somewhere, and people honking at me <laughs> and pointing at the back tires on the thing. I said, I ain't stopping. I ain't stopping for nothing. And it's raining, and it's carrying on, and finally the thing is wobbling. <laughs> and I pull over to the side, and both the back wheels are about to fall off. They forgot to oh my tighten goodness. up the lug nuts. <laughs> and it had, and half of the, you know, the studs coming out of there were off. There was only two left. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and we're sitting there, and it's raining. I'm so sick, man, out of, the, of a motorhome, and I called Dale, my brother. I said, Dale, would you come out here and pick up my mother-in-law and all my family and take them home because I'm stuck on the side <laughs> of the road. I got to find somebody to fix these back wheels. And so he did. He came all the way out there, picked up my family, took them home. I'm sitting there on the side of the road, finally get somebody to fix the back wheels, and they... They put new studs on there and put the wheels back on. I drove that thing home, and when I got to my house, I parked that thing in front of my house. I literally got on my hands and knees and kicked and kissed the driveway. <laughs> <laughs> I was so glad to be home. And I took that thing back to Mr. Smith, and I said, <laughs> I don't ever want to have a motorhome again like this. Man, I've heard, you know, people, you know, Going down Route 66 and visiting all the different sites, but I've never heard of a vacation. <laughs> I'm taking a route from here to Florida and visiting all the service stations and transmission shops. <laughs> well, I certainly know the inside and out of two transmission places. <laughs> Don't sound like either one of them are very good. <laughs> you took a tour of transmission shops oh, around. Goodness. Oh, goodness. oh, man. That was it. Wow. When that happens, do you, like, keep the receipts, and does Mr. Smith pay for the transmission work? or Mr. Smith uh, didn't charge me. Yeah, yeah, he paid yeah, for the okay. transmission. And... Say, man, if you had to pay for two transmission well, jobs. Hey, and <laughs> He was pretty nice to me when I brought that thing back because I could have just left it in Florida. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, no, he didn't make me pay for the 
that well, thank God. I should have charged him for breakfast. <laughs> Pain and suffering, right. time yeah. lost. You should have paid for the next vacation. Yeah, yeah. next one's free. Wow. Mr. Smith, by that time, he was kind of a friend because I'd rented so you know, motorhomes four or five times from him. But anyway. Well, tell us how God intervened when you got that free uh, motorhome. <laughs> God blessed you so much on that one. Well, that was another another deal. Uh, we had uh, decided we were going to go to Colorado in a motorhome and went over to Mr. Smith and Mr. Smith. <laughs> this is before or after the, the, the story we just the, I don't know. I don't know if this was before or after. I can't remember. Got to be before, right? It could have been. <laughs> <laughs> Got to be before. Hey, you rented the worst motorhome. We, we from had them. had some, you know, some good experiences with so, okay. the motorhomes and stuff. So you know? let me just ask you a question. Yeah. Because, you know, I've heard many stories of motorhomes with you yeah. and Stacy. And- uh-huh. <laughs> I ain't never heard a positive one. Oh, man. I don't know why them things are so popular. <laughs> <laughs> They're always breaking. Hey, no, we, we had some good experiences. If okay. they work, it's fun. But- I just like to laugh at myself. And, you know, some, if you can't laugh at yourself, you know, I don't know. Right, for sure. Yeah, for I, sure. I like funny stories. Yeah, tell us about I- this minibus that y'all got on. <laughs> No, this this particular time. So I I remember it was uh, like the Fourth of July. Well, we went to Mr. Smith and we had a had a motorhome uh, rented, but all he had was a mini motorhome, a Class C mini motorhome. You know, a Class A motorhome is one of those that looks like a bus. you know, a Class B, it kind of looks like a, a a big high-top van, and a Class C is the one that's got the 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 bed over the, the you know the, the top of the roof there. Looks like a truck, but it's got the bed anyway. But uh, so he had just a little one. It was too small, really, for our whole family. But that's all he had. So I'm over here at. Uh, on Luella Street in Deer Park for the big 4th of July fireworks. And I happened to park right in front of a friend of mine's house, a guy that went to our church. His name was uh, Troy Sparks. Troy Sparks, uh, he did a lot of good things for our church. Great guy, you know. So I'm telling him we're fixing to go to Colorado and I'd rented a motorhome and so forth. And he had an old winter baby big old motorhome there, Class A, you know, with the motor between the front two seats in there. And uh, he said, why don't you take my motor home? I said, man, I couldn't do that, you know. I don't, don't want to. But he just insisted. No, that's not what he said. He says, you won't have to pay me anything. Yeah, and well, just man, like, oh, yeah, I'm in. <laughs> when he said I didn't have to pay him, I thought, man, this is, this is too good to be true. <laughs> So I, I went ahead and canceled my reservation with Mr. Smith, and I went and picked up Troy Sparks' motorhome. And it was, a, you know, he had kind of rebuilt the thing. It was an older motorhome. But anyway, we thought, boy, this is neat. It's pretty nice motorhome. And we all got in there, and we started off for Colorado. 
And we just decided we'd just drive, well, I just decided we'd drive all night like we usually did. And we drove all night and we get to uh, uh, New Mexico, Raton Pass. How, how old is Stacy about this time? Oh, I don't, I don't know. He was, uh, I, maybe 12 years old, okay. something like that. So we get to uh, Raton Pass, and we're going over that thing, and we get about three-quarters of the way up to the top of this pass. You know, it's just a highway going over this mountain, and this thing just stops. It just stops. I don't know what, what to do. It won't go. And I pull over to the side of the road, and we sit there for a while, and I crank it back up. It starts again. So we get on across, going down the other side. And the first town over there is called Trinidad. By this time, it's about, I don't know, 10 o'clock in the morning. So I said, man, I need to get this thing checked. I don't, you know, and I go in there and I find a, uh, you know, an auto garage. Or the service station. No, this, this is guy's a mechanic. He looks at that thing and I said, you know, I don't know. What's wrong? I just stopped trying to go over that thing. I said it might might be vapor locking or something. I really don't know what vapor locking is. <laughs> I, I just heard the the you know the term. He said, "No, nah, not vapor locking. I think it's something to do with your timing." So he gets in there and he fiddles with the timing, and of course it's running pretty good down there in the town. Anyway, he says uh, he charged me. Some few bucks and uh, said, sent me on my way. So uh, I said, well, that's good. We go on and we're going over another pass over there, getting to Salida, Colorado. Thing stops again. I said, man, I don't know. Anyway, I sit there for a while and it starts back up. I go into Salida, I find another auto mechanic. I said, you know, it stopped. It stopped on the Raton Pass. Now it stopped on this pass. I forget the name of it going over there. It might be vapor locking. The guy said, no, nah, I ain't vapor locking. He said, it's uh, something to do with your timing. <laughs> <laughs> he called the next day. He's like, yeah, this guy's coming. <laughs> so he gets in there. We take, you know, the cover off the engine. It's in, in there between the two front seats. Well, they call them the doghouse or something. Didn't yeah, they? I don't know. That was a doghouse. <laughs> so he fools around with it, fills around with it, and we take off again. And we get, uh, we get, where, 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 where? We get to uh, uh, Leadville, I think, one of the mining towns. And uh, things stopped. Well, we're trying to get there, and it stopped again the third time. I get into this this town and find a mechanic, and he's about ready to go home. But I beg him. I said, son, I said, you know. He was standing there with the water hose. I, I, said, yeah. I said, man, <laughs> I got my, my family here, my mother-in-law, my father-in-law. We're all here. We're tired. I said, can't you look at this thing and fix it? He says, okay, I'll try to fix it. We take the cover off that motor again. He, you know, he takes the air filter off the carburetor, and he sold that thing. And he said, "Drive it down the street. Let me see what's going on." So, man, we're going down the street, and the thing backfires, and a fire shoots up out of that carburetor and sets his hair on fire. <laughs> sets the guy's hair on fire. 
And you know, it stinks, man. <laughs> yeah, burnt hair smells Burning bad. hair stinks, man. We put his hair out. <laughs> <laughs> the guy says, man, I'm getting out of here. <laughs> Take me home. Take me home, man. It's after five. Yeah, man. <laughs> My hair's on fire. Should have never stayed. Oh, anyway, man, we we finally uh, we get to Breckenridge, Colorado, and Renee is gonna fly in from Houston and meet us in Denver, Colorado, and we're gonna go pick her up. And the motorhome's running okay. Just need a little burnt hair. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we get up and we're going to drive to Denver, which is about 70 miles from Breckenridge or so. And we go over another pass, Loveland Pass. We get about three quarters of the way up that pass, and that sucker dies again. And I'm, I'm on the side of the road, and I get my father-in-law. He's a little bitty guy. And he gets a white handkerchief, and he's behind the motorhome waving that handkerchief, trying to, you know, alert cars from running into us. Yeah, you're on the side of the mountain right and now. And I get under the thing. I'm thinking, I'm going to do something. I don't know, even if it's wrong, I'm going to take this um, fuel pump off of this thing. And I'm not a mechanic, but I just, I'm going to do something. So I'm under there trying to take the fuel pump off of this motorhome. And uh, a guy in a milk truck oh, man. comes up. First time, first time my husband's ever been excited to see the milkman. <laughs> guy in a milk truck comes up, and he says, uh, y'all need some help? I said, man. Got some milk? So we don't need milk. <laughs> no, I was desperate, man. I'm telling you, there's a, a sheer drop-off cliff on the side yeah. of that thing, maybe hundreds of feet down, you know. And I said, I don't, I'm trying to take this fuel pump off. I said, this thing, every time I try to go over a, a you know, pass, it, it quits. He said, the thing's vapor locking. <laughs> I, I told you. I said, I, I've been trying to tell these mechanics something, but I said, I don't really know what vapor locking means. <laughs> what causes it to vapor lock? He says, well, the, the fuel line is too close to the motor, and, and when it gets hot in this elevation, then the fuel won't go through the fuel line, and so the thing stops until it cools off, and then, you know. So what you, I said, well, how you fix it? He said, well, you're going to have to cut that fuel line. You're going to have to get to another, uh, you know, just get your rubber fuel line and reroute it and get it away from that engine. You'll be all right. I said, really? Well, I'm out here on the top of a, <laughs> top of a I'm, mountain. I'm, I'm 20 miles from, you know, Breckenridge. He said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll, I'll go and I'll get the parts and I'll bring it back to you. Wow. I said, man, that's nice. And uh, he said, Stacy, or Stacy was standing there. You want to ride with me in the milk truck? Stacy looks at me, I said, I don't know what come on me. I said, yeah, he can go with you. <laughs> yeah, he's a stranger. Stranger. He's a milkman. On the a mountain. He'll come back, call him dad. Yeah. <laughs> but dad so, got the fuel line. So, <laughs> I don't know why I let him go. <laughs> but he got, in this, he got in this milk truck with this stranger. 
and they gone for an hour or so, and they come back, and uh, he has the parts, and uh, we reroute that fuel line and didn't have no more problems with that part of it. There was some other things that went wrong, but I see we're about out of <laughs> No, there, nothing else went wrong. Oh, yeah, there, there is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I so, ended up having to buy two new tires, and then the muffler fell off of that. So. <laughs> yeah, why not? Why not? You don't need no muffler. Who needs mufflers? <laughs> Man, we could hear us coming for miles. I said, they ain't putting no new muffler on this <laughs> But he, I, ain't, he ain't had no keep off for the mufflers. No. <laughs> I was never so happy to get a motorhome back to a free motorhome. So did you make it to the airport in time? Uh, not really in time. <laughs> <laughs> we did Maybe. pick her up. Oh, she had another young kid out there by herself. Oh, man. <laughs> no parents around. <laughs> oh. Goodness man. gracious. Well, Pastor Ron, thank you for writing this book because it's definitely <laughs> made, it definitely made me laugh. I don't know if I missed the guy catching his hair on fire when I read that story, but if it's not in there, you need to do a revision yeah. and make sure you put that part in there uh, because that is good stuff. Um, so thanks for coming by. Thanks for sharing this. Uh, made these stories live on forever and ever um, because... They sure do make me smile. I love you. Just... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I needed and, that. Yes, and uh, and we love you. Yes. Oh, I loved it. <laughs> I just love to tell those old stories. And we love I, to listen it to might them. Not yeah. have, you know, I, my wife says I kind of embellish them. They get a little... Well, you're official. <laughs> yeah, the guy's hair probably didn't catch yeah, on yeah. fire. One string, yeah. you know, he sneezed and it blew off but or the, something. Uh, like. But the essence of the story is is right. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> the guy's hair did it did really catch on fire. <laughs> it does stink. I set my leg hair on fire one time, and it yeah, it smells bad. I remember yeah. one time me and Calvin had two close calls, and um, I tell a little story. We was up at Pastor Mark's, uh, his trailer in, Hunt, uh, in Centerville, and we was going to go up there early and get everything ready, right? So we had to get the, you know, the hot water heater lit and all that. Well, Calvin's a plumber, you know, he should know how to do that. Yeah. So I'm holding the flashlight, <laughs> and he's in there with this, you know, this lighter lighting this thing up. And when he lit the, the pilot light on the thing, this flame shot out Ooh. of this... And hit him in the face. He turned around and looked at me, and he goes, "Is everything all right?" He had no eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> all of his eyebrows were gone. I'm like, "Nah, man, everything is good. <laughs> everything looked just good." And then, then he started smelling. He was just like, "No, no, for real, tell me." <laughs> he smelled the air burning. And then uh, one other other time, we was at the youth building, and uh, you know. Pastor Mark, he left us in charge way too many times. Uh, and we were having this event or whatever, and the lights went out. And over there, I don't know if it's still that way, but there was actual fuses back there. So uh-huh. we get in there, me and him are trying to change this fuse. Well, he hits the box at the same time as he hits the power. So the, the channel locks <laughs> ground out, and it caused this major spark to the point where you couldn't see because it was like – super dark outside mm-hmm. and then you had this 
Yeah, flashbang. Well, this flash, right? Yeah. So I turned around to like run, and there was a telephone pole right there, and I, I smashed right into the telephone pole, and I go inside, and I got blood running down my face. I can't see anything. <laughs> Oh, goodness, needless goodness, to say goodness. that we didn't get the power back on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Lord, send the power just now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had to call Eloy. <laughs> uh, all right, well, thanks for coming by. Thank everybody for listening. I just ask you to, to, as this is ending, when this is all done, send your favorite, send a link to your favorite uh, refuge project to, to a friend or a family. If it's, you know, one of these story times or... If it's the Thanksgiving where we all argue about um, our favorite foods or whatever it may be, send it send it over to them. Let them have as, as good a time as you're having. So we'll see you next week. And we love you. This is The Refuge Project. You've done a spectacular job. Thank you very much.